I, I, I love to sing, but man, that just ain't there. I've ruined my voice screaming and hollering and preaching all these years, I guess. But uh, anyway, anyway, I, I sing to Jesus. I sing to the Lord. Worship Him. All right. Do you have your Bibles with you this morning? Good, good looking group here for a, a weekend, a holiday weekend. We're so glad to have all of you. Uh, we're going to the Gospel of Mark, okay? Open to Mark's Gospel. We're going to finish up. Oh, Children's Church may be dismissed, okay? Follow Miss Vicky right over here. Amen. We, as I said, we've been ministering, preaching, and teaching through this gospel, studying the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we will be ending here with, uh, not ending the series, but finishing up this 12th chapter this morning. We'll be moving, the Lord willing, not next week. Brother John will be here next week, but after the revival, we'll be moving into chapter 13 of Mark, which deals with the signs of the times, the end of the age, the coming of the Lord, some things that we need to know uh, in these last days in which we live. And I'm sure we would all be in agreement tonight that we are in the closing hours of this age. We're in the last days. The Lord is preparing to come. Uh, He's coming in the rapture for His church. And um, I really, I, I, you know, I believe we're pre-tribulation rapture here. We believe in a pre-trib rapture, and um, I believe that is the next event, the next great event on God's prophetic calendar. And um, so, anyway, you know, there are uh, the the rapture is a here I go. It's a signless event. There were no signs pointing to the rapture. There are signs pointing to the second coming of Christ. But as I I mentioned this in the prophecy conference a couple of weeks ago, you know, Hobby Lobby, and I don't, I haven't been there, but they tell me, um, I have from good sources, that Hobby Lobby has Christmas stuff up already. And it's September, is that correct? Is that right? Anybody that's been there? Um, So in September, you know, we're we're already getting people are putting up uh, decorations. I didn't have my glasses on this morning, and I walked over to Sister Sharon, and I thought she had her Christmas sweater on. Those are light. I didn't have my glasses on. Those are lighthouses, and I thought they were Christmas candles. (laughs) But anyway... Um, but the, the Christmas decorations are already out, uh, and we haven't even had Thanksgiving yet. So we know if we're that close to Christmas, Thanksgiving comes before Christmas, so we're that much closer to Thanksgiving than we are Christmas, but the signs are already out for Christmas. And so in the same way, when you see the signs of the second coming of Jesus, we know the rapture takes place before the second coming. So if the second coming is that close, then the rapture is so much more closer. Amen. So um, we're, we're, we're looking forward to the coming of the Lord, and I'm anticipating His coming. And my prayer is, even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen. Are you in Mark? Have you found it? Chapter 12, Mark chapter 12, verse 41. Here's what the Word of God says. Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury. And many who were rich put in much. I'm praying for those people to find our church. Then, but notice verse 42, then one poor widow came and threw in two mites which make a quandrons. So he, Jesus, called his disciples to himself and said to them, Assuredly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. For they all put in out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. 
Now I want to talk to you about this widow and her two mites. Amen. Father, thank you today for your precious spirit today here in this service. For those who have come to worship uh, in spirit and in truth, that I'm asking you today that you will anoint me, help me to minister your word. In Jesus' name, open our hearts to receive. And everybody said amen and amen. I believe this little woman here is probably one of the best known characters in the entire Bible. Everybody has heard of her at one time or another. She is the unnamed widow who cast in the two mites, her two mites into the treasury. And this little widow woman is one of those unnamed heroes of faith that we find throughout the Word of God. We don't know who she was, but yet she represents that vast host of unnamed, unknown, and unpraised people who keep the work of God going and who keep the church of the Lord Jesus Christ going. Let there be light. Praise God. She represents those, this little woman does. She represents those who, because of their faithfulness and their untiring service and because of sacrificial giving, make it possible for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to do what God intends for the church to do. C.M. Ward, who was the, radio, the revival time radio preacher for the Assemblies of God for many years. C.M. Ward made the statement one time and said that the gospel can only go as far as the dollar bill will carry it. And I know people say, well, you know, the church is... The church doesn't need money, but the ministry does. And the Bible bears that out. And all ministry has to have financial support to exist. And, uh, but many, I believe there's many that fall into this category that this, that this little widow fell into. That you probably some here today, and I know there are here today, that are the unnamed heroes of faith. And uh, one of those faithful believers of the church, and you know what? You may never stand on this platform. You may never be called upon to stand up and speak publicly or have any public recognition whatsoever. But it's because of you and because of your faithfulness and because of your sacrificial giving that the work of the Lord continues to go on and prosper and have progress here at Abundant Life Family Church. Amen. We just celebrated, and I didn't even think about this till yesterday. I've been busy, but in August, this church celebrated its 17th birthday. We're 17 years old. Amen. 2003 God raised up this ministry and God has been with us and blessed us all these years and so we thank the Lord for you today and for your faithfulness and for your giving to the work of the Lord and uh, I've made mention of this how that you have come through and you have been faithful to give through this pandemic through the springtime when the church was closed when we were just doing online services and uh, I tell you what you know the enemy was was there uh, yelling in my ear saying you know you'll not make it you'll not make it the people won't be at church for so many weeks they're not going to give but you know what every one of you proved the devil a liar and everyone continued to give even though we weren't having in-house services and God through you supplied the need and we thank the Lord for that but I want you to notice in this great story. This is a great story on giving that is filled with meaning. And so when you look at this text in verse number 41, the first thing that I want to draw your attention to in this narrative is where Jesus sits. Notice where Jesus sits. In verse 41, it said, now Jesus sat 
opposite the treasury. Now, the treasury, when you look at that word, the treasury, where was it at? It was in the temple. Jesus was sitting in the temple. So I want you to get that picture today in your mind. This is where the Lord was when this event took place. It had been a very turbulent day for the Lord Jesus Christ as we have seen in our study thus far through these last couple of chapters of the book of Mark because Jesus had been in a running battle it seems like with the Pharisees, with the Sadducees, with the Herodians and they had really been giving Jesus a hard time. The, these religious leaders had been trying to trick him. They had been trying to trap him. They had been trying to find something wrong with him and uh, find a fault with him but you know they wasn't able to do that and um, but the very one and it, it, it seems so ironic that the very one who was the fulfillment of all of the symbolism of the temple and if you realize the temple of the temple there and, and, and all the furnishings and everything that you study about the temple was a type and a picture of the ministry the life and the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ and here the one who was the fulfillment of all the symbolism of the temple was right in the midst of these religious leaders and they did not even recognize who he was they didn't even recognize him and you know I thought about that and I thought you know it's 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 sad that that in churches throughout this nation there are people that come to church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and are never aware of the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ right there in their midst. But can I tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, this morning, that the Lord Jesus is here in this church today. He's here. He's walking among his candlesticks. He is, he is, he is, uh, honoring us with his presence here today. Jesus himself said that where two or three are gathered together in his name, he said, I will be there in the midst. And we've got a pretty good crowd, as I said, for a, a Labor Day uh, holiday weekend. But you know what? It doesn't have to be a packed house for Jesus to show up because when his people gather together and begin to worship him, he will visit his church. You are the temple of God. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is here in the midst. We don't want to be like Jacob. You remember Jacob in the Old Testament, the book of Genesis, when he, when he, when he was leaving home to go to Laban's and he camped out one night and he made his, his bed there and he had the vision of the ladder extending to heaven, Jacob's ladder, and he, he heard from God and he saw the angels ascending and descending. You remember that? You remember what Jacob said? He said he called that place Bethel which meant house of God. And he said surely the Lord was in this place and I knew it not. I don't want to be that way. When the Lord is in the house I want to know that he's in the house and I'm telling you he's in the house today and we are here to worship him. Can I get an amen? So Jesus was in the temple. And in, he's, he's in the temple, but more specifically, the scripture said that he's sitting in the temple. Where's he at? He's opposite the treasury. Now, the treasury was made up of 13 different collection boxes. And these boxes were called shofar boxes. Do you know why they were called shofar boxes? And that's because the lids on the top had a trumpet-like opening and they were designated, each one of these boxes, these receptacles was designated um, for a particular purpose for whatever offering for the needs of the temple. They kind of got the idea, I'm assuming, from, uh, from Joash in the book of 2 
Second Chronicles when the temple of God needed uh, some repairs. And remember King Joash built a chest and he put it at the entrance of the house of the Lord. And as people came in, they were to give their offerings and give their gifts. And the Bible said that they gave with such generosity that it was possible then for them to take the money that had been given and to repair and to renovate the house of the Lord and the temple of the Lord. And so these shofar boxes, 13 of them were set there. This was the treasury and Jesus was sitting opposite the treasury and he was looking at the treasury and, and he was paying attention and taking notice to of those who were giving into the offering. And uh, I, I just want to say this morning that we can see from this and I hope you agree with me that the offering is something that is very important to the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is present in the treasury and in the house of the Lord and he is interested in the offering. And when you and I bring our offerings and our gifts to the Lord, it does make a statement. Do you understand you're saying something when you're giving to the Lord Jesus Christ and to the work of the Lord? You're saying something about your love to Jesus. You're saying something when you give about your appreciation of the work of the Lord Jesus because our giving is something and I, 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 I feel this this morning our giving is something we're not just to throw something in but our giving is something that we should take very seriously each and every week because Jesus is watching the offering come on somebody I said gee boy y'all not too excited on this Jesus is watching the offering. He's not watching the offering to criticize or to condemn, but he is looking for an opportunity. Listen to me. Why is he watching the offering? Why is he concerned about your giving and my giving? He's not there to criticize or rebuke, and I'm not here to criticize or rebuke anybody about your giving today because I don't look, I don't know how much each one of you give. That's between you and and the Lord but what Jesus is looking for he's looking at your giving because he's looking for an opportunity to honor you and to bless you for your love and your faithfulness to the work of the Lord here he is sitting Jesus is sitting in the temple opposite the treasury can you get that in your mind today He's sitting in the temple opposite the treasury. So that's where he sits. But the second thing I want you to notice is what Jesus sees. It's one thing that he's sitting in the temple, but what is he seeing? Verse 41 says that he saw how the people put money into the treasury. Jesus is sitting in the temple and he's looking at all the people as they come by the treasury area and he's watching them. Are you listening? He's watching them as they give their gifts and put their money into the collection boxes. Who's watching them? Jesus. Jesus is a people watcher. <laughs> Amen. We got any people watchers here? Go, you know, my wife goes to the mall to shop. I go with her to watch people. I find me, you know, she'll go shopping. I find me one of those nice, comfortable seats out in the mall somewhere, and I just sit there and watch people, and you see some strange things. When you're watching me, you see some <laughs> you see some strange sights. But but Jesus is a people watcher too, because Jesus is interested in people. And and the ESV version says that he watched the people putting money into the offering box. So we notice that Jesus is looking at two things here. Jesus is looking at the people, and Jesus is looking at their money. And you know, pastors usually get criticized for talking about money 
or for preaching about giving. And as I said, I don't, I don't preach on that, this subject on giving very often, once in a while. I think it's necessary that we remind the church of what the Bible says about our stewardship and our giving to the work of the Lord. But, uh, but, but Jesus had a great deal to say about money in his earthly ministry. And here he's in the temple and he's watching how people are giving their money. And as he's watching people give, he looked at the wealthy. He saw wealthy people, rich people coming through the temple and putting vast sums, large amounts of money into those offering receptacles. Verse 41 says that he was, he was looking at the wealthy and their giving. Because let's look what it says. Verse 41 says that many who were rich put in much. Many who were rich, not just a few, but there was a bunch of rich people coming through and they were giving vast amounts, vast sums of money. These were those wealthy that were coming through and were giving a lot. And I just want to stop right here and say something to you all this morning, and that is this, there is nothing wrong with being wealthy. Now, I'm not preaching health, wealth, prosperity, all of that. You know, although I, I will tell you this, the Bible does teach us that God wants you to prosper. He does want you to prosper and that prosperity is better than poverty. How many would agree with that? And that God's will is for you to to have your needs met and to prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. So uh, there's nothing wrong, there's nothing wrong with having uh, finances or being wealthy. There's no statement that's made in the Bible that says that it is wrong for a person to be wealthy. As a matter of fact, some of the greatest saints of God in the Bible in the Old Testament were people of wealth. Abraham was wealthy, uh, Job was wealthy, Jacob was wealthy. I mean, these were patriarchs, men of God, many of them that had wealth. And in the New Testament also, there were people in the New Testament that were also people that were of considerable wealth. There were some women that followed the ministry of Jesus that were, that were women of means that helped support the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what I'm telling you today is this, that the Bible does not condemn wealth but here's the key the key with wealth is what wealth does to you and what you do with your wealth are you listening to me it's what it does to you it's what you do with it someone made the statement and I, I agree with this someone said that money is a good servant but it's a bad master and that's the problem with a lot of people today when they are blessed financially they become a slave to their money and money becomes their master instead of becoming their servant that's what Dave Ramsey teaches that a budget is all about because you're telling your money what to do and your money's not telling you what to do can I get an amen so some people, and we could all attest to this, have allowed money to do great damage to them. I've seen people, and you have too, who at one time were faithful to the Lord, were in church, were living for Jesus. They were faithful to tithe. They were faithful in their offerings to God. But then God, as he does when we are faithful, God began to bless and begins to bless them, and they get a bigger house, and they get a bigger salary, and they get a nicer car which none of these things are wrong, but they get some more friends and some new friends, and the next thing you know, their prosperity begins to pull them in a different direction. They begin to miss church. They begin to go places that they used to not go. They begin to do things that they used to didn't do, and their prosperity causes them to drift away from the Lord. The Bible says in Proverbs 132 that the prosperity of fools shall 
destroy them. Don't be a fool. If God blesses you financially, use it for the Lord Jesus Christ. Have your needs met. He wants you to be prosperous. And it's nothing wrong with you having money as long as money don't have you. Nothing wrong with you having stuff or things as long as those things don't have you. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. There's nothing wrong with that. It's not wrong to be prosperous. It's not a sin to be prosperous. If it's a sin to be prosperous, then God would be the biggest sinner in the universe. Oh, that went over well. (laughs) God lives in heaven where the streets are gold. Are you with me? It's not a sin to be prosperous, but it is a sin to be covetous. It is a sin to be greedy. It is a sin to love money. That, my friend, is the root of all evil. Not money itself, but the love of money, the Bible says, is the root of all evil. So everything that you and I have, whatever we have, we have it because God has been good to us and God has blessed us and God has, has given it to us. And God, I, I'm, I'm sure everyone here in this service this morning could, can testify to the fact that God has blessed you financially. And he has blessed you financially. Why? So that you can have to give to others, to give to the work of the Lord. Amen. The Bible says in Ephesians, Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4, let him that stole, talking about those that got saved, he said, let him that stole steal no more, but work and labor with his hands. I'm all about working, come on. But work and labor with his hands that he may have to give to those who, it's not working for a living as much as it is working for a giving when you're supporting the work of God and when you're a child of Almighty God. Amen. Praise God. Well, y'all just, we ain't got church tonight, so I'm just going to take my time. You're not going to get excited. Bible says the Lord loves, a, uh, uh, the, the Bible says what? The Lord loves a, a mean, cantankerous, honorary giver. One that hates giving? No, it says the Lord loves a cheerful, happy, joyous giver. You ought to get excited when we talk about giving to the Lord. So Jesus looked at the wealthy as they gave much, and he noticed what they gave. But Jesus then looked at this widow. He watched the wealthy, and he watched the widow. That that just tells me something. Jesus got his eyes on all of us. And this widow, verse 42, says this one poor widow came and threw in one of those receptacles two mites, two little mites. That word poor, it tells us that she was in abject poverty. That's what the word poor means there, that she was on the verge of of starvation, that she might not even know where her next meal was coming from. Maybe she was about to be put out of her house. We don't know. The only thing we know is the Bible says she was a widow, and the Bible says that she was poor, and the Bible says that she had two mites, which those two mites were not two pennies. They were two quarter of, quarter of a, a mite was a fourth of a cent, and two of them made a half a cent. And so she wasn't even really putting her two cents worth in. Amen? She was just given half a cent but the Bible tells us it was all that she had the Amplified says it this way it says and a widow who was poverty stricken came so she's a 
poor widow. She's poverty stricken. And she comes and drops in these two little coins. I wish I would have brought a couple of pennies with me. She drops in these two little coins, these two little mites worth a half a penny. And nobody noticed her at all. It's a very little significance. Now, I can imagine when the rich guys are coming through with their big bags of money. I know how some of these rich folks were. They were, they were saying, hey, everybody, look what I'm giving. Ha <laughs> ha, I've got a big offering today. And, and they were putting it in, you know, and everybody was, ooh. And they were ooh and ah. And they were, they, were, they were seeing how these rich, wealthy people were giving. But here, nobody noticed the insignificance of this little woman. She wasn't important at all. And what she gave wasn't important to them in any, in any means whatsoever. But I can tell you something today. What she did give, those two little mites, number one, it was important to her. And number two, most importantly, what she gave was important to Jesus. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It was important to Jesus. Hallelujah. No gift. Let me tell you this. No gift that you give today is too great and no gift is too small to be important to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, Jesus today is sitting by the treasury and Jesus sees the people and their money and Jesus also not only sees the people and the money, but he Here's the main thing Jesus is looking at. Jesus sees the motive with which we give. Verse 41, notice what it says. Now Jesus said opposite the treasury, notice this, and saw how the people put money into the treasury. Not just the fact that they were putting money in or how much they were putting in, but Jesus noticed how they were putting money in. The word how speaks of their motivation. See, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus today is not just interested in what we give, are not just interested in what we do, but Jesus is interested in why we do what we do. Jesus, the Bible said man looks on the outward appearance, but where's the Lord looking at? What does the Bible say? That God's looking where? He's looking on the heart because everything we do, we have a motivation behind what we do. And that's the thing that Jesus is looking at today. Amen. Motivation is is very important in everything that you do for the Lord. Amen. Jesus talked about that in, in the Sermon on the Mount. You remember in the sixth chapter of Matthew. And you can just write this down read it later. But Jesus talked about three things in the Sermon on the Mount. He talked about, he talked about uh, prayer. He talked about fasting. And he talked about giving alms. Do you remember that? And he said, when you pray, don't, don't, don't make a scene before men. When you give, don't sound the trumpet before you and call attention to everybody on this is what you're going to give. He said, when you fast, don't disfigure your face and walk around saying, oh, I'm on a 20-day fast. Pray for me, I'm fast. He said, don't let nobody know what you're doing. And he said, when you give, don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing. Amen. In other words, Jesus was saying, it's very important with the motive, the motive you have when you give. If you're given to get the honor and the praise of men, that's all you will give. It. But if you give in secret that nobody else knows about it and you're given because you love the Lord, He will bless and reward you openly. Isn't that what the Bible says? Is that right? Some of you are looking at me like you think I'm preaching from a different Bible. This is the same one I use every week. Praise God. The Bible says 
As I mentioned, God looks on the heart. So God is looking at our motivation. The IRS really doesn't care why you give to the church. They'd probably rather you didn't. But Jesus does care why you give to the ministry and to the work of God. Amen? Motivation is very important. And you need to be motivated to give because you love God, you love the work of God, because of what all He's done for you. When you think about the sacrifice He's made for you and what He's done for us and how He saved us, how He pulled us out of sin, how He's washed us, how He's delivered us, how He's blessed us. When I put that tithe check in, ladies and gentlemen, of a, on Sunday mornings, I'm not doing it to be seen of anybody. I'm not doing it to, to, to get the accolades of man in any way, but I'm giving it with the motivation. You know what motivates me? Number one, it's, it's, I'm commanded of God to do it, but I do it because I'm telling you what, I'm glad I got something to give. He's been too good to me, and I want to show him how good he's been and thank him for how good he's been to me. So motivation is important. So this is we see here where Jesus... We, where Jesus sits, he's in the temple, he's over against the treasury. What he saw, he's looking at the offering receptacles. He's watching the people put, them, put in their money, the rich and the poor. He sees how they give. He's, he's watching their, uh, their motivation for what's causing them to give. But then thirdly, notice what Jesus said. Verse 43, he said, Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow, here's two mites for conversation's sake. Here's guys throwing in thousands of dollars, writing thousand-dollar checks, giving offerings. And here's a little poor, broke Poverty-stricken widow's got a half cent, and she throws it in. And Jesus saw it. And he didn't say nothing about, boy, look at them guys giving the big amounts. Man, they're, they're awesome. They're great. But he stopped it for this little widow and called his disciples and said, I want you to see something. Did you see her put that in? They probably didn't pay any attention to it either. But Jesus called their attention to that widow. And he said, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more. Oh, oh, oh. has put in, she only put in a half a cent. The rich were putting in much, it said. She has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. For they all put in out of their abundance. Jesus wasn't looking so much as what they put in as what they had left over. They all put in out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty. Listen, put in all that she had her whole livelihood does that verse impact you in any way does that mean anything to to us here this morning that she out of her poverty put in how much all that she had that was the last half a penny she had the last two coins she had to her name it was her entire livelihood and I can just imagine at the end of the day when they take the receptacles to the treasury and they begin to count the money and those guys are counting the collection boxes, the money that's in the collection boxes and I can hear one of them saying, something rattling down in here in the bottom of this. I hear some rattling. They're pulling out all of this cash and all these checks and all this money. Something rattling down in here. Wonder what that is. And they reach in and they pull out those two little mites. And I, and I imagine one of them possibly could have said, well, look, just two little old mites. Now, who would bother to give that little amount? But can I tell you, Jesus saw it. Amen. I said Jesus saw it. I've had those same 
thoughts before, you know, when you see an offering or an offering comes in and, and, and in an offering bag and, and there may be just a little bit of change or maybe a nickel and a couple of pennies or just a couple of pennies be the only change in there. And the thought comes to your mind and thinking, now, now who put in those two little pennies? Why would anybody put in pennies? But you know what? Jesus don't see it that way. Come on, I don't know. We don't know who put them in, but we do know that the motivation of their heart, whether it's two pennies or whether it's two million dollars, the net motivation of their heart, it means the same to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's looking at that. He called their attention to that. It may not have meant much to those who were counting the offering that day, but Jesus saw it. Hallelujah. And he called his disciples and he said to them, she has put in more than all those that are given to the treasury. Jesus said that she, with those two little coins, had given more than anyone else. And the reason was because of her motivation. But Jesus brings attention to the fact that her giving, this widow's giving was sacrificial. Glory to God. If I've got $100 in my wallet and give one, that ain't too sacrificial. Does Jesus acknowledge it? Well, of course he does. Her giving was sacrificial. He said they all put in, the rich put in of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has given all she had her whole livelihood. They gave out of plenty, but she gave out of her poverty. They gave out of their abundance. She gave out of her need. This woman barely had the necessities of life. She was poverty, but she gave sacrificially. And as I said, it wasn't the amount she gave, but it was what she had left. I doubt and I may be wrong, but I doubt that anyone here, I don't know that I can say that I've ever given the widow's might because that's giving all you have. And there may be some here that have. Sacrificially given the last that you have. Because you don't really give the widow's might till you give everything you have. She had cast in her all to the treasury to give it to God. Now I'm coming to a close. I read the other day in studying this that there were two pictures on those little copper coins, those little mites. There were two pictures on there. On one side... There was a, a sun, S-U-N, sun with eight rays that were coming out of it that was taken from Malachi chapter 4 and 6, which speaks of the sun of righteousness who arises with healing in his wings. I believe that as this little widow sacrificially gave those mics to the Lord, that she was saying, you know what? I don't have anything else. I don't know where my next meal's coming from. I don't know. I may be getting, I'm about to get evicted from my house, and this is all that I have. But you know what I'm going to do? Instead of spending it on myself, I'm going to give it to the Lord, and I'm resting my all on the character and the faithfulness of God that He is my God. He He's the son of righteousness that will arise with healing in his wings and he will take care. He will take care of me. Come on, somebody. She didn't have much, but she gave what she had to God. She cast herself upon her entire being. She's given herself. She's giving her all to God. And that's what Paul said to the Corinthian church. He said, I didn't seek a gift, but I'm seeking you. I want you, he said, first. Those Macedonians, was it the Macedonians he's talking about, which were the Philippians, they first gave themselves to the Lord. And then they gave their their, of their finances of the Lord. God wants you first. 
and, and she had given everything and cast herself upon the character of a holy, loving God that he was going to take care of her. And on the other side of that little mite, on the other side there was an anchor. And the anchor symbolized putting our confidence in the steadfastness of the promises of God. See, somehow it must have gripped the heart of this poor widow that there was a God in heaven who had promised her that she would have all of her needs supplied that had promised she had an anchor and her anchor was not in those two little mites and her hope was not in her income but her hope and her anchor was in the almighty God and she knew that the God in heaven had promised her that he would meet her need and that he would never leave her and that he would never forsake her but that he would take good care of her amen that if she would trust him that he'd see her through and I don't know the scripture doesn't record it but based on what the Bible says I can guarantee you that this little woman did not starve to death I can guarantee you she did not die of hunger I can guarantee you she didn't get evicted from her house because the Bible says glory to God give and it shall be given to you good man Press down, shaken together, and running over shall men give to your bosom. Come on, give the Lord praise. I don't know what happened, but I do know God took care. He takes care of those who trust him and believe him. Brother, if that wasn't trusting him, I don't know what he is. If the Bible is true, and I just happen to believe that it is. Amen. I read in the Bible, and maybe she had read this story too. Maybe she had read it. She had it. She knew it. She was familiar with it. There was another widow in the Old Testament that was a widow of Zarephath. And Elijah came to her, and she was down to her last little bite to eat. She was down to her last cake. And she was gathering up some sticks. You all remember the story? And she was gathering up some sticks to build a fire. And she was going to cook that last cake. Little meal in a barrel, little oil in a cruise. And she was going to fix that cake. And her and her son were going to eat it. And that was it. They were going to die. But God sent a prophet. Hallelujah. I said God sent a prophet to that little woman at Zarephath with a word from God. God in his mouth and he said sis why don't you bring me a little bite to eat or bring me some water she went to get him water and said by, by the way would you give me a little cake to eat as well while you're there she said I don't have nothing this is all I got this one little bit of meal to make one cake and here this preacher had the audacity to say give that cake make me a cake first and God will take care of you I'm here to tell you I'm not asking for your last cake but I'm telling you if you will give and put God first your meal barrel will continue to overflow and you will have your needs provided for God will bless you and take care of you that's why I believe God took care of that little lady Woo! Her and her family and the prophet of God, Elijah, that would observe, they lived through the rest of that three and a half year famine. However many days were left, many days the Bible said, and not one of them lacked or missed a meal. Whew. Hallelujah. I told you, I told you earlier, how that I was concerned about our church. I don't live on the golf course all week, folks. I ain't played golf and played in one tournament last year, and COVID knocked that one out this year. But I spend time with the Lord. 
But I was concerned. Abundant life was, was having some financial, how do I put it? Not really, well, I guess it was a struggle. Things were on the decline, and we had never been in the decline in 17 years. And I was concerned, and I sought the Lord, and I said, what's wrong? God, what's the matter? And then, man, I mean, the needs were being met. But did I ever one time get up here? I'm asking you, did I ever one time get up here and say, if you guys don't start giving, we're going to have to shut the door. Did I ever do that? I've heard enough of that nonsense on radio and TV. I ain't doing it. The God who began this good work will complete it. Trusting in Him. I just encourage, I just, Sunday after Sunday, just kept encouraging you to give, to obey the Lord and to give. But when this, when this, when this closed down thing came, Man, I was, I, the thoughts began to bombard my mind. I said, we can't, we can't sustain it. We can't do it. But, you know, doubts. Do preachers have doubts? Ha! Do we ever? We're fighting it just like you are. But I was praying right here. One I don't remember what day it was of the week. It was after the shutdown. And I was praying. I said, God, I don't know what we're going to do. God, how are we going to make it? And right about here, the Spirit of the Lord came on me and spoke to my heart and brought to my remembrance that little widow in Zarephath and spoke to my heart, and the Spirit of the Lord said, the meal barrel will have plenty of meal. Hallelujah. Praise God. And, and we, I tell you, people begin to give. You guys, the people of this church, checks came in the mail. People drove by and dropped them off. People drove by and gave us offerings and money. People got on the, we put an app on the, on the Facebook page and people began to get on that app and give online. And the money began to come in. And, and I'm still, I, I was thanking God for it again this morning, but I'm still amazed at how God, man, I'm telling you, listen, he not only filled the meal barrel up, he, he let it even run over just a little bit. Praise God. I'm telling you that to tell you, to encourage you, and to thank you for your faithfulness, for listening to God, for obeying the Lord. Amen. This is not my church. This is not in my name. This is your church. Amen. And this ministry is supported by your giving. And it doesn't make any difference if it's a little bit or if it's a lot. You give. Listen, the minimum God wants, the minimum He wants, he wants you to tithe your income. He wants 10% of what he blesses you with. 10% of your income. 10% of your increase. Amen. 10 cents out of every dollar. $1 out of every 10. $10 out of every 100. Amen. And he has promised. Listen, listen. He has said if you'll bring the tithe into the storehouse that there'll be food in my house. He said test me says the Lord and see if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there won't be room enough to receive. If you'll give, if you'll put God first, if you will have the right motive, if you will be obedient, the needs of the church will be met and God will bless and prosper your life and take care of you. Amen? Is that Bible or not? Yes, it is. Stand with me. Praise God. Worship team, make your way. Woo, hallelujah. Yes, sir. Okay.